Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to TNC's latest episode of Down the Wire podcast. Um, as some of you will know from previous podcasts, my name is Craig Norfeth from CTO and Network Collective. Um, I'm going to be your host today for the next 20 minutes. Um, I'm very pleased to be joined again by Claire Tindall, uh, one of our principal consultants. Claire, would you want to give a quick intro to yourself? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, yep, yeah, as you say, I'm a principal consultant at TNC. I've been at TNC over a decade working with um, lots of our biggest customers on transformation projects. So looking forward to talking to you today. Lovely, Claire. Thank you. Um, so before we before we get started, I just wanted to quickly remind our listeners um, a little bit about TNC and our credentials um, to talk about the subject today. So TNC, we are UK's largest independent telecom professional services consultancy. And we support over 280 major UK multinational organisations with their strategy sourcing, development and in-life managed services, particularly around network and telecoms um, services and technologies. Um, And today's topic, um, primarily, we're going to be looking at network transformation and the planning of network transformation. Um, So we're going to to start really with a a bit of a discussion around why, why we're looking at this as a topic and particularly why this has changed over the last few years. Um, so, yeah, I'm delighted to have Claire on board with me today. She's been involved in a lot of these processes, as I've as, as myself. Um, so we're going to try and navigate through the, uh, the, the treacherous world of, of network and telecoms in terms of getting from um, point A to point B and try and explain all the kind of tips and tricks um, that we employ and, and look to deliver as part of our uh, network transformation process. So let's... Let's start, Claire, with a kind of key topic. Um, what, what has changed, you know, over the last few years? What's different now? Why has it become more difficult to get from, you know, a traditional legacy type of network environment to something that's more modern um, and what we're tend, tending to see as a result of our procurement processes? I think there's lots of reasons, Craig. I think the first one that springs to mind is the fact that the technology itself has gone through a real revolution um, over the past 18 months to two years. So um, we now have all different types of um, technology, um, SD-WAN, um, SASE, um, entirely different uh, approach to networks and security. Um, obviously, we also know we've got entirely different ways of working. Um, people have had to really rethink the way they work organizations have had to think how they're going to um, change and transform the network to support those needs um, particularly in flexibility of working but also in flexibility of how they serve um, end customers who might be who might be using services Um, and then beyond that I think the um, environment um, within IT has become increasingly complex um, recently um, and particularly the demands on the network for unified comms um, and the demands on the IT team are more complex than ever and trying to get to grips with all those different moving pieces in order to affect a transformation that's really going to bring benefits in all those areas is a huge piece of work to undertake when perhaps your workforce has been uh, is smaller um, and is struggling and, and, and facing its own challenges with multiple projects itself it's a, it's a very familiar tale that we hear from customers. So I think there's a, there's a couple of really, really important points there that you've talked about, um, which we should focus on during this session. So I think, I think you know, you talked about the the convergence of network and security services. I guess, you know, when we were doing these processes um, from a procurement point of view and a transformation point of view, maybe five or 10 years ago, we were primarily looking at, you know, buying MPLS networks. There wasn't much of a security angle to that. I no, think definitely, definitely what we see now is that we're seeing 
yeah, network procurement is we, we're sourcing secure networks. Security is a very, very core key component to this. But that that introduces maybe some complexity, doesn't it, in terms of the people who we need to engage, understanding of what the security requirements are, understanding how that effectively fits around the whole network to develop that secure network process. So yeah, it's, it's a really good point there. I think I think the other point yeah. as well, Claire, was really interesting is around the the operating model for networks going forward. And I know you've got some specific experience of this around you know various different projects we've been working on. So maybe it's worth exploring that in a bit more detail as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think picking up on the first point there around um, MPLS um, and, may, and maybe buying MPLS networks and mm. security separately in that convergence, I think when the answer was sort of always MPLS, which it was for a number of years, the um, it was hard enough anyway if you had a complex business environment to gather the requirements from the different stakeholders and actually to get your baseline under some control, actually understand what sites you had out there, what bandwidths you had out there what um what um uh, devices that there were on the network whether they were legacy end of life etc that took uh an awful lot to get to grips with and you talk about the tips we would give our customers we would always say that should be your first point of call the port of call the uh, baseline and and understanding that that's now far more um, difficult. You need to be um, paying attention to far more different uh, elements within that uh, baseline um, as as you approach that. So you need to understand the security baseline. You need to understand your application environment um, as well as the network, as well as your unified comms needs. It, it all needs to come together if you're thinking about and undertaking something like this now. And in terms of the operator model. You, with MPLS networks, it was uh, the case that it was um, you know just very often a managed service model, um, but there's far more flexibility within that now. Um, and like you say, bringing together the different different service towers like security, uh, WAN, etc., you might want to approach um, the management of that in a completely different way. And again, you're going to have to understand your baseline for um, your current resources and what they're going to be capable of and how much they cost you and and things like that so um understanding the baseline both from a technological but also from an operator model point of view needs to be your starting point whenever you undertake this kind of a project yeah i think that's definitely one of our biggest learnings in this last sort of 12 18 months as we've been doing more and more of these strategic procurements and looking at different types of technologies is that <clears throat> understanding the importance of, of of that baseline how that effectively will drive the process, understanding where, you know, the return on investment is going to come from, understanding where the, the operating model might need to change, understanding the different sort of commercial models as well. So I guess, you know, one of the other areas we're starting to see now is much more subscription-based models or consumption-based models, where in the past it's been pretty, you know, pretty fixed, pretty static, one-off cost recurring rentals. So yeah, understanding the difference and the change, I guess, is again a key thing and something that needs to be understood early in the process. Is that is that the true reflection? Yeah, it's, it's a very accurate reflection. So from the baseline, you need to be understanding um, your existing operating model, what strengths and weaknesses of that are. You need to be understanding your technical baseline um, and and where precisely that is. Um, you also need to be able to understand your commercial and contractual baseline where you need to do any short-term extensions to contracts, for instance, um, in order to align, ready to um, undertake the transformation project. Then once you've got all that together, you need to be seeking 
working out what are the requirements. So what are the commercial requirements? Is it for subscription? Is it is it for um, you know a capital investment type of type of project? Where do you want? How do you want to see that structured? How do you want to see as we've just been talking about the um, resource and operating model and the and the management of the network um, operating going forward? Understand what needs and requirements are, are driving that. How are you structuring your applications? Um, what projects are starting to uh, become fundamental to your business are those changing particularly in the in the light of the um a vastly changing economic and global situation um how have those changed over the, the past year to 18 months what what might be happening in the future you might not know how do you build in that flexibility what is that flexibility that, in the requirements that you're going to need so there's an awful lot to consider um, when you first start that baselining and then that requirements gathering from, from the business across all the different areas. Um, you need to be very diligent in how you do that. I guess I guess one of the, the, the positives of, of doing that though early in the stage, early in the kind of transformation process is that there is opportunity to identify some quick wins, isn't there? So, you know, a lot of people think that we're going to do a network transformation, we're not really going to deliver benefit until a year or two years down the line. But actually, that kind of auditing the baseline, understanding exactly what's there, you're highly likely to find some things that you maybe don't need anymore, or they could be recontracted at a lower cost, or you could do some tactical changes to effectively deliver some cost savings. So I think you know we 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 are starting to see more on that as being a, a value add effectively from that that audit process at the front end. Yeah, very much so. The sort of cleanup of um, the commercials contracts. Um, maybe you're paying for things that you actually should have cancelled um, or did cancel. Um, we, we're seeing that sort of thing um, all the time. So I think, yeah, maybe there's a, a tendency to get very excited about all the new technologies that are coming within the market. And I think we're about to come on to talking about that. But um, in the first instance, you need to make sure you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's and got a good, clean base to work from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's really good. Yeah, so that is a nice kind of segue. And you started talking already about requirements capture and the importance of understanding understanding requirements at different levels, I guess, and and not necessarily being being led directly from the vendors or from the market, the manufacturers, because I think there are some gaps appearing in the market in terms of you know what the what what's what's perceived as the out of the possible versus what's realistic. Um, We are starting to see some issues now where. Yeah, the, the, the dream's being sold, if you like, from a vendor perspective, but when you try to go out and buy that, procure it, deliver it, um, you're not quite getting the same level of um, you know, dreaminess, <laughs> if that's if that's such yeah. a thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, again, you know, maybe, maybe we've touched a little bit around the, the importance of requirement capture, understanding, you know, from a business objective perspective, right down to what do SLAs need to look like. Again, you know, maybe talk through that a little bit, Claire. Good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you do need to be um, very clear on things um, like how your network needs to perform, what SLAs um, need to be in place. I, I think you're right in that there are a lot, and you know, I mentioned a couple of the watchwords earlier around some of the new technologies coming to mm-hmm. the market. Um, 
gaining an understanding of those parts of the market is um, absolutely essential. Um, like you say, and, and being realistic about which of those are going to actually match up to what you need in terms of the performance of the network and what your requirements are versus what your commercial objectives are, how much is this stuff going to cost compared to um, what you need to be uh, achieving commercially because a lot of businesses are under immense commercial pressure um, after the um, uh, last 18 months. Um, And so being able to, it's always been a balancing act between commercial and technological, uh, technological improvement, but now it's even harder, it's even harder to achieve. Um, We're finding sometimes when it's coming to, uh, because we assist quite a lot of clients in the deployment phase um, of their networks as well um, as the procurement phase, when it comes to deployment, um, you know, have suppliers done the due diligence, done the proof of concept, done the testing on whether their solutions are actually going to marry up to the requirements or not. Um, So I think, putting that detailed due diligence up front as part of the process in order to marry what the market is saying with what your strategy is saying. And you must be clear on your strategy and and your business case and what you're hoping to achieve versus what is actually going to be achieved and the due diligence the supplier has has done on it. Um, Making all those things align um, is difficult, but you definitely need to make sure it happens. Yeah, I think think one other thing, I think that's a really good point. I think I think one other thing as well is in terms of the objectives, trying to trying to prioritize some of the objectives and, and make them measurable throughout the process. So, you know, use them objectives to really drive the, the approach to the market. You know, we'll touch upon this in a second, but you know, the, the sourcing of some of these services isn't isn't as simple as what it once was here. We've got, you know, disruptive providers in the market, we've got vendors offering services, we've got service integrators there now as well. So you've got to have a very clear definition of this is what we've got today, these are our requirements. And this is our kind of go-to-market approach. So do you want to maybe touch a little bit on that in terms of that strategic alignment piece and sourcing strategy around you know, the, the kind of avenues and the routes that we're taking to that at the minute? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're trying to take a more agile approach than we previously did um, and also quite a consultative approach with some of the suppliers um, because I think, you know, I think some organisations can hear a buzzword like SD-WAN or SASE and just say, okay, that's what I want my network to look like. Um, in actual fact, even those those um, phrases can encapsulate all different types of models and approaches, but mean different things to different people, mean different things from different suppliers. So you really have to understand from a business and an IT perspective, what are you hoping to achieve here? Um, you know, if you want an application to run in a certain way, what, what are you hoping to achieve? And instead of necessarily going out just um, you know, with a, a very set, closed off um, RFP process um, that says this is the model and we want it to work, understanding with with your supplier long list um you know what is the art of the possible these are the things we want to achieve what can you um come back and tell us that you can do because then that will often help um cement in the minds of the clients um the directions that they want to go down like we've already talked about so many different things that you need to be considering at the start of the process it can often be bewildering for clients um and being able to sort of have that agility at the beginning of the process to um consults 
um, bring information to the clients and then them uh, being able to see the clear pathway through all the very different things that are, go- are going on in the market and in their business, um, we're finding is a helpful way to approach it, um, which is quite different from uh, maybe, you know, just that, uh, that sort of route one requirements. This is what we want our network to look like, RFP. So, um, yeah, uh, that's that's something that, uh, that we've been finding. I, th- I think you found that on your projects too. Yeah, I think the, the the kind of agile methodology around around going to market with these things, I think, is is very important these days. I think it's very it's very difficult to go with a you know very defined specification and say this is what we want because yeah, yeah there's, a, there's definitely a gap between the, the the vendor capability and the service provider capability at the minute. People do things yeah. differently, so that it needs to be an agile process where and a collaborative process. I think increasingly, you know, you need to be working with the service providers with the SIs to understand how you can achieve them objectives together yeah um, we, talk, we talk with client, clients quite a lot i think about um your outcome based yeah. um sourcing strategy yeah. um and that's very definitely what needs to be at the fore at the moment yeah and i, and I think also the kind of concept of you know there's, there's almost like a minimum viable product that that we should be trying to achieve but then there's a set of roadmap initiatives potentially for the future particularly when we start talking about sassy um, because there's, there's, you know, as you mentioned, you know, SASE means a lot of things to a lot of different people, and there's various different components in there. You you can't go out, you can't specify an RFP or, or a procurement process. Say, I want to buy SASE because it, yeah. it doesn't really make any sense. So you've got to you've got to drill into what components of that do you actually require. Um, what's the day one requirement in terms of a minimum viable product, and then what's something that you want to you know, um, innovate on or develop over a period of time. And I think that's that, that's the whole agile piece that you talked about there. I think it's becoming increasingly important. So so, so I guess we've touched a little bit, Claire, on, on the market as a whole now. So, you know, we're starting to see more interaction with service integrators. Um, we're obviously seeing um, a lot of interaction still with traditional managed service providers in the network space, the Global One providers, for instance. But I guess we're also starting to see, you know, some of the hyperscalers get involved in some of this kind of stuff. Um, starting to see disruptive providers coming into the market as well. So the market is in, there's a lot of flux in the market at the minute, I think. So again, it points to the importance of understanding what it is that you want, what your requirements are, what it is that you're willing to accept as an MVP, and then trying to identify the right vendors. Is that, you know, that's the kind of process, I guess, that we're talking about in, from an agile point of view? Yeah, it is. That's very much the type of process that we're talking about. And where you touched on then about we don't really know where things are going to go and about future capabilities. I think that's uh, I think that's a crucial point is that I think if anything can um, sum up or if you could try to sum up the you know experiences of the past 18 months, it's very much, um, you know, delving into the unknown. Um, we, we try to avoid overuse of the word unprecedented, but it has been unprecedented times. And um, so therefore you need to make sure that when you're um, developing your sourcing strategy, um, your vendor strategy, that you have that flexibility baked into it and that capability of the vendors to maybe taking things like you say on or, or into other directions and into other roadmaps because you've no idea what the next challenges your business and your IT team might be faced with and what the network might have to cope with um, what other solutions are coming down the line uh, from a technical capability point of view and development from the suppliers so um, 
I think you have to be prepared for that unknown and be flexible enough to cope with that unknown um, when developing your sourcing strategy and your, and your procurement processes. Yeah, it feels like the only consistent in the process at the minute is change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we've seen that from a, from, a, from, a, from a customer point of view and from a, from a market point of view, I guess. So yeah, that, that, the agility to adapt to change for our process, for our transformation process, I think is, is definitely key. Okay, that's really cool. Um, so I think I think right. So if we if we just quickly revisit what we talked about then, so you know, baseline in the importance of that understanding what your your current costs are, your current technologies are, the life cycle of infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. Um, a very clear definition of requirements, right, through from business level to to the kind of solution the service is going to be operating it, and then a well defined sourcing approach, which you know effectively is outcome driven, as agile as possible. So we get through all of that. That's great. We, we're getting into the point now where we've identified, you know, providers potentially that can deliver this service. I guess what next? You know, this is another area of change. You know, when we start talking about how you contract for some of these services and the, the, yeah. the kind of, you know, the, the frameworks around this. So how do we bring that level of flexibility, agility into the contract? What are some of the things that we see in change in that space? So I think... Um... I think greater flexibility on things like minimum commitments. Um, so, uh, you know, that's obviously a positive step um, from a buying perspective. Um, and I think uh, clauses written into contracts to allow flexibility in things like divestment, um, but also incorporating technical change within the contract um, and making sure that that's at no penalty. Um, so that flexibility in the contractual model um, We've touched on it a bit before, but but that is vital um, to cope with the, all the sheer scale of change that we're we're seeing. Um, I, yeah, I think you just have to really keep an open mind when it comes to um, contracting at the moment and not accept. Um, I think you know probably many of the people watching will be familiar with telecoms contracts that were very restrictive in the past don't accept that at the moment because it's it just isn't fit for purpose for the um you know constantly changing environment and landscape that we're seeing um i think definitely push on that flexibility yeah 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 definitely second that i think um we are we are definitely in this kind of revolutionary stage i think in networks in, in the network space at the minute aren't we? We, we we're definitely seeing a a, a, a significant change from from where we were five years ago and the contracts that are around still today around you know the, the sort of legacy contracts into what we need in the future um it's definitely got to be more flexible it's got to not be not be based on certain commitments to to, to connections or revenue even um it's got to be the ability to change technologies um whether that's at a physical level or a virtual level it's got to be moved into a more sort of as a service type capability as well as we again start more subscription and consumption models. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 good to know. And we are seeing some some success, I guess, in that space. I mean, this is this is probably an area where um, it's it's not as easy to 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 execute some of these things because at the end of the day, it's still a legal document and. I think a lot of the service providers, the SI providers, the legal teams have not quite caught up with the speed of changing yeah, technology. <laughs> um, so we do still run into some challenges there, I think, don't we? But again, it comes down to the planning. It comes down to what is your minimum vibe products? What do you need from a flexibility level? Bit of forward thinking, doesn't it, I guess? Yeah, it does, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then and then I guess, you know, post-contract, and this is, this is probably another topic for another day, but post-contract um what what are we starting to see here so you know how are how are the 
how are people executing these things? Are we are we seeing this being rapid transformations? Uh, you know, for, for instance, SDML and SASE, are we seeing that revolutionize the way that people can deliver their networks? Or is it still a you know fairly slow and steady type of process to deliver the overlay, deliver the underlay, deliver some of the services? Well, I think it there's um it, it will depend on the project, but um I think underestimating um all stages of um a transformation project and how long it will take. Um all the stages that we've been talking about so far, baselining, requirements gathering, um, sourcing, contracting all of that tends to take longer than clients think it will. And then the um, project deployment itself tends to be more complex and takes longer and requires more planning um, than clients think it will. And um, that can often be underestimated. That said, things like SD-WAN, um, you know, things like S- uh, things like zero-touch deployment um, are, are there to be had, um, but it's not a sort of magic wand to instantly transform to networks that roll themselves out. So I think understanding and being realistic about what your resource requirements are going to be in that space is something you should consider very seriously. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Very well put. Um, but I am conscious that we are probably at our 20-minute mark. Um, so I think that's been a very, very interesting podcast today. Um, so thank you very much for your time. Um, I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it as well. So yeah, finally, um, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, if you do have any questions about this topic or any other topic in this network and telecom space, um, you know where you can get in touch with us, um, either directly through our socials or via our website, networkcollective.co.uk. Um, we look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you, Claire. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Craig.